0: good evening everybody, or good morning. I don't know when you're listening to this podcast, but uh, it's definitely evening here and a rather muggy and warm one indeed. But there's a positive, and that's that football has well and truly started for everyone in the league. Uh, Steve, we've got NFL football back. How are you feeling, mate?
1: We have got NFL football back. No more free weekends until the end of February. It's lovely, lovely to see, lovely to uh, have football back and uh, yeah, ready to uh, get into it. This time it is the turn of the NFC South.
0: It is indeed. And in honor of that, we are trying to get a full 10 yards network membering for. At least one of the teams for each division. We're quite blessed in the NFC South, but we have gone the way of the victors for the last couple of years for the NFC South. A new member of the 14 Yards Network, we only announced them half an hour ago via our Twitter page, Bucks UK and Mariana. Mariana, how are you? Very well, thank you. And and like you, glad to see football back. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's it's one of those where you feel that it's months and months since the last time of which we had it, and then as soon as we've got it, it feels like it's been here for ages. At least that's how it feels for me anyway, but that's just after doing four pods of these already with Steve and uh, Sean. Sean can't be with us tonight, by the way. He's on the IR list for another week, but I'm sure that he'll be back next week kicking. It's just a sprain. Uh, as we go by preseason terminology. You know how it works by now, uh, but we'll fill Mariana in as this is her first time on the show and probably listening to the show as well. We run through the teams in order of how they finished last year, run through the key off-season moves, draft <coughs> recap, although the, uh, the books would have drafted obviously quite low down, and a player to watch. It could be someone that's higher, but it could be someone on the hot seat. We prefer the ones on the hot seat, don't we, Steve, really? And the rule is obviously no quarterbacks, although with the Panthers, Steve, might you might end up being a forced hand there and have to use one of your vetoes, <laughs> but uh, we'll wait and see. Maybe you'll surprise me. But first of all, we will turn to our guest and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not quite the uh, back-to-back Super Bowl uh visit of which we perhaps expected especially seeing as they brought back the entire team to run it back but uh, how do you see this coming season Mariana? I think
2: last year wasn't really a disappointment for us Uh, we will say you know we were basically one play from the Super Bowl again really Um, so we ended last season you know sadly on a disappointment but we still ended strong um, as I say, one play away from from the Super Bowl, you know, it's uh, you, you can't be too disappointed with that. Uh, went into the summer, and obviously the big summer thing would be we we thought we'd lost Tom Brady, we thought he'd retired. Um, At last. So, <laughs> yeah, there was a there was a general air of I don't think so much disappointment, but more what's the way forward? Who are we going with? Are we going to bring in someone else are we going to go with kyle trask um there was just a bit of more sort of um you know confusion and, and sort of wondering where we would go forward um obviously it turned out we'd go back to brady he'd come back he'd unretire again so that's that's sort of gave everyone a boost i think coming then out of out of that and uh, I really think that, that kind of changed the whole complexion because maybe we'd, we would have lost other key players. We did lose a couple over the summer. Uh, Alimar Pet retired. Um, Gronk retired. We, we lost a couple um, to other teams. Um, a couple have kind of not come back in terms of JPP and, and Sue. Uh, it looks like their sort of careers are, are pretty much finished, unfortunately, um, as is the way of the, the NFL. So it's a, it's a very different looking team this year. Um, but I think at the moment we're, we're all feeling pretty positive about how things are looking uh, coming into, into the season.
0: Fantastic. Um, actually, one question before we move on. We usually interject a little later on, but the books I usually find a very interesting case, and uh, it, it doesn't help that the missus is a Bucks fan as well. So I end up getting asked more questions. Good and, uh, Good I, uh, it, it's because you're playing red and black, and you're in Florida. That <laughs> literally those were the reasons why. Yeah. And then she went to a she went to the Bucks Panthers game at Tottenham Stadium, saw Jameis Winston throw a goose egg <laughs> to start the game. And her fandom was solidified. It was a perfect moment. But uh, I digress. Um, you talk about obviously the main issue with Brady retiring in the first place was just a general, you know, you didn't matter which direction you went in as long as a direction was picked. I look at the fact that Brady came back and Tampa with there very much with open arms and almost just hoping or expecting for it to happen. Um, would you have been okay with Kyle Trask if that was indeed the move?
2: Um, I think you you have to as a, as a fan you have to you have to get behind him. I think uh, we've we've not really seen much of Kyle Trask. I think yesterday, um, well, um, Sunday night was the the first time that we'd really seen him play any sort of extended length of time. So it's really hard to judge a guy that's you know not really played any snaps. Um, so I'd, I'd hesitate to say whether I'd be happy or not. I think a lot of uh, a lot of the fans of the Bucks, and certainly I can kind of count myself in this um, uh, kind of avid college fans and follow Floridian college teams quite often as well. So him having the the Florida Gators background kind of enamoured him to the the fan base anyway. Um, so no, this kind is of, by Kenny Pickett's I mean, going to
0: fail at Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But but he did. Yeah, uh, he kind of had that behind him. So I think you know. Um, I, I as I say, I, I think it's difficult to judge. I I think just having a a decision made and going forward, I I, I hesitate to say I, I don't like this situation where, and some of the other teams in this division are in that situation where you're in this thing of which which quarterback is going to start. Who's it going to be? So I think just having a, a decision made and saying this is the guy we're getting behind is is probably the better way forward.
0: Yeah. Um, who was your who was your main draft pick this year? I have to because obviously you were so I, far down. I didn't uh, I didn't. Yeah, copy it I, I was personally.
2: lucky enough. Um, so a bit of like um, storytelling and, and unnecessary um, side events. I, I actually got married um, just before the draft in New York, and then went down to to Tampa um, for a bit of a sort of honeymoon. Um, and was lucky enough that um, my my new husband organised for for us to to go to the draft night uh, through oh. uh, very much through the Bucks UK uh, fan club organisation. They they helped arrange that uh, along with um, Brian Ford of the Bucks and. So <clears throat> I've got to thank them first, the fan club and also, you know, their links to the to the club for arranging that. But I was lucky enough to go to uh, like night one of the draft. Uh, and we were set to pick, um, obviously, as you know, quite late. Uh, and we traded our pick into, <laughs> into a, the second round. So that was a fun evening where I spent the whole evening at the at the stadium. There was lots to do. Uh, and lots to see there, but yeah, we didn't actually pick in the first round at all. So we picked at the very top of the second round, and our first uh, pick was Logan Hall.
0: Um, Logan Hall, that's right, yeah. Right.
2: And then we picked. Um, so he he filled a, a hole because we've obviously we've lost JPP, we've lost you know that sort of player. So he's coming in. Um, I don't see him necessarily as a as a day one starter. I think he'll be one of these that will come on later in the season. We also then picked up um he's he's either a guard or a tackle. Um I think he'll be playing at guard, which is uh the guy that no one's name no one can pronounce his name, Luke Gadecki, or Gadeek or Gadek, or I'm not sure exactly how he pronounces his surname, but um so he he was our other pickup, um, plays Well, played primarily at left tackle, but um, looks like he'll be putting in at left guard. Um, So they were our kind of top couple of picks. And we also picked up uh, a couple of tight ends. Uh, The running back, Rashard White, who actually played really well um, in this preseason game, looked very, very good uh, in this this preseason game. Um, and, the, and a couple of other players, uh, Andre Anthony and Zion McCollum, were our other pick, um, Yeah, the sort of bottom end of the draft.
0: And then I think before we uh, before we start piling in on our uh, on on our opinions and all things books, who who would you say is? We, we hear a lot about you know the the really good players on the books. You know you've got a wealth of star-studded uh, players on your roster. Um, what? player would you say is one that maybe needs to uh, have a really good season? You know, is, is maybe on a bit of a down at the moment, needs to have a good season?
2: So I wouldn't necessarily say on a down um, but I would say the, the jury is out on on a particular player who who I think it's his contract year as well which is Devin White, who plays okay. extremely, extremely well when Levante David is in the team and and absolutely, you know, Seems to to completely boss the the field when but when he's got Levante David next to him. Um and and when we when we lost Levante David through a bit of injury, uh Devin White kind of struggled a little bit and didn't seem to, to have the same sort of level of effectiveness that he has when Levante David is there. And and we really need him to kind of step up and be that man when. You know, if Levante David is out again, if there is any sort of injury there. So, I, you know, I don't think he's necessarily on the hot seat as such, but it is a contract year for him. So it'd be interesting to see if he just takes that little step up to, to you know, become the, the sort of true leader in, in that sort of linebacking call, which I think we all think he can be.
0: Yeah, and then and then just finally then, because that's uh, – I'd agree with you, actually. I think that uh, that's definitely a position to watch out for. I think there's a couple of others uh, that need to be on their toes as well. Um, the win totals, the bookies have it about 11.5. Do you go over or under on that as your prediction? How far do you think the books go this year?
2: I think – Everything relies, and I think we've discussed this kind of within our own sort of fan club, and and had those sort of conversations where a lot of it relies on these first four games. We've got quite a tough start to the season, and I think if we you come do. out
0: for those who don't know, sorry to uh, to interject there. For those who don't know, you're away to Dallas, away to the Saints, at home to the Packers, and at home to Kansas City. That is quite a tough start.
2: Yeah, so I, I really think that could be, like, the, the setup. I, I can see that that four games going literally any of, of multiple ways. Um, so I, I could see us coming out, you know, three and one maybe. Um, you know, I, I think we, we might struggle with those four back-to-back like that to come out all four wins, but... I could see it being three and one. I could see it being two and two. I could see it being one and three. So I think those four games at the end of that, I think if we're winning or above, we go on to to win 11, 12, 12, I say, 12 wins.
0: Just nabbing the over. We get to the. the, playoffs.
2: Playoffs. Get to the playoffs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Conference championship?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I think. Well, I, I'm going to. I'm, I'm, I'm basically.
0: It. I'm basically asking you if you reckon that you're going to win the pyre. <laughs> I
2: I think we've got the talent there that we can, um, without trying to be overconfident. I've always been the sort that goes into the season saying, "Yeah, we're going to win every game and we're going to go all the way."
0: Um, God, that must but... be nice. <laughs> that that must be nice. I mean, I, I do feel very much in a minority here. So Steve's a uh, Philadelphia Eagles fan, if you didn't know. So he's obviously tasted Super Bowl success as well. And I am a lowly Cleveland Browns fan that just seems to dance from one bit of chaos to the next. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely a different feeling listening to these pods. Uh, Steve? You've just heard all that from Mariana there about the books, and you know, obviously there is an air of optimism about the books, and rightly so. You know, considering the roster they've got and the performances of which they do churn out. What do you reckon? Do you reckon that they're able to keep this up this season? I
1: think um, with the books this season, there's more than meets the eye. Um, I think there's a few storylines that are going a bit under the radar. First of all, they've got a change in head coach. Um, let's not forget that Todd Bowles is now the head coach and no longer Bruce Arians. Now, obviously Brady's used to having the same guy for 20 years in New England, and then obviously came in and and, and hit straight off with Bruce Arians. How does he respond to yet an, an, another head coach who's third in as many years? Um, and I think that is that's a big change. And and obviously you know Todd Bowles was was great previously, but how does he how does he Role when it comes to actually running a team. you know, No one knows how some of these head coaches are going are gonna to work out. And I think sometimes some of these head coaches we've seen over the years actually work out a lot worse than people thought they would. So I think that's one question that, that needs to be answered. Um, I think there's also been low-key a bit more turnover in Tampa this season than perhaps people are, are, are really sort of, not giving them credit for, but really sort of um, appreciating. Um, Gronk going is massive. Like Gronk was always Brady's jet get out of jail free card. If Brady was in a jam, Gronk would be there. He's about eighteen foot four, and he can just throw it down the field, and you know there's a there's there's a reception there, and he'll get him out of a jam. And now that Gronk's gone, um, because not only is Gronk gone, but they've also lost OJ Howard as well, who was a good backup tight end, the tight end room looks mighty thin. And that's a question that also Needs answering as well. And whilst their wide receiver core is very, very good, you know, the wide receiver lineup this season Mike Evans, Chris o- Godwin, Russell Gage with Berry Perryman and Julio Jones as well. That's quite a wide receiver room, don't get me wrong. But that tight end question remains a question to be answered. And also on top of that, they're changing both starting guards this season. You mentioned that um, obviously um, Damagon Sue's gone um and so you're going to be relying on Shaq Mason who obviously you know used to protect Brady back in New England uh and then also a a potentially a a rookie in Gadecki um so and I'm I'm a big believer as I've said many a time on this pod I'm a big believer in building from the trenches I'm a big believer that Super Bowls are won and lost in the trenches and if you can shore up your trenches you will put yourself in a good state and so if there's big changes in the offensive line how does that affect brady how does that affect the interior pass rush how does that affect the the concentration on guys in the middle rather than out the outside etc so i think that's some there's some been some big changes in tampa bay in that respect as well and losing losing a guy like jpp like i know you mentioned him and and obviously um he was getting on he's probably the wrong side of 30 in terms of his career but he's still an experienced edge, edge rusher and so it makes you wonder where Tampa turns after after losing him. I know you mentioned they brought in a rookie, and how that works out, obviously, we'll see. But and another one as well, just to top it off, losing Jordan Whitehead as well, I think, is a big presence in that backfield. Um, and uh, obviously, they've drafted a safety Um late on, or at least someone uh, late on, and they've also brought in Keanu Neal, which doesn't really sort of light up any stat sheets when it comes to it. So I think that's another another sort of area to look at. But I I am, admittedly, I am sort of trying to pick holes and trying to sort of um, highlight areas where I think Tampa might be a bit sort of, Less than they have been in previous seasons. Don't get me wrong. I still think Tampa walks this division just purely because the other three teams are all in, In you know, two of them are absolute dumpster fires. And, and the third is, you know, who knows what's going to happen with quarterback slash head coach slash, you know, the rest of their players they've got. So um, it's, it's, I think it's easy that they'll win this division. And they also are blessed with the fact that they're in the NFC rather than the AFC. And we've talked already about the NFC being weak this year. You know, you've got the Bucks, you've got the, the Packers and you've got the Rams who won it all. And after that, I think it's a who's who of whoever could be the next best team in the in the conference. So I agree. I think the Bucks will win the division. Um, I don't think they'll be the number one seed. Um, but I think they will will win the division. But what is interesting as well is that there was talk. Obviously, Tom Brady was given a few personal days and hasn't, re- hasn't I don't know if he has now reported to practice, but wasn't reporting to practice for a little while. And there was there was some small murmurings cropping up that maybe he might be giving this retirement thing a real good hard think. Um, it's probably it's probably think it's probably just press rumors and all that sort of stuff. But it does make you wonder, like you know, is his heart really in it? Especially now he's signed that deal to be. Um, what is it, a Fox Sports lead NFL analyst. That's right, he yeah.
0: To. He's got that deal it's with not, Fox Sports of which basically the carrot he's is very money much
1: being, behind the TV. Exactly. So the carrot is very much being dangled now. So it does make you wonder, I think he'll play this year and I think he will do it. But if they have a less than stellar season, it makes you think like, how much longer does he want to do this before he just goes, no, nope, I'm going to go sit in the booth and do a Tony Robo.
2: Just, just to to sort of come back on that point of, of Tom Brady, Please I think yeah, yeah. Like, I know he's he's got these personal days, and he was in camp, and he's actually on his personal days at the moment. He's he's off until I think just after our second preseason game, and he's coming back after that. The reality of Tom Brady in preseason is he's highly unlikely to touch the ball anyway. Um, he, we're not going to risk him in in the preseason anyway. Um, so it was unlikely he was ever going to take a snap in any of the preseason games. Um, <clears throat> from everything that's been said around the Bucks organization, these were like sort of planned days that when he unretired, um, he'd already sort of written this in that he, he needed these days. So whether it's around, um, I know the, the sort of children in, in the US go back to school around this time. So whether it's around his kids going back to school or, or whatever it is, it's i think it's something that's already arranged with the family that he's kind of agreed to to do with the family and and things around that i'm not putting too much weight into it i don't think he would have unretired if he didn't want to give it another shot going all the way he's he's not the sort of guy that he's just got a competitive fire in him for him to come back at, at this age where he could have just probably even got that fox deal anyway you know, while he was retired, um, he wants to come back and get another ring. He, you know, as his speech is always like the best ring is always the next one. That's, um, that's, I, that's like that mind. I, I don't tough. think he takes his foot off the gas at all.
0: I just feel like that last game, the, the fact that he got so close to taking them there and gave it everything, I felt that like that was a nice way to close the curtain. If it ends up being a worse game to go out on this year, I think that he's tarnished himself a little bit. But that's just me, and I go for the poetic more than uh, more than the uh, literal half the time. Let's step away from the books for now. I realise that uh, they are always an incredibly a hot topic no matter as to who's at quarterback seemingly but uh we have to remember there are three other teams in the division as to whether or not they will matter much in january is another story steve the new orleans saints now obviously we have a uh we we have our own Agents of chaos who enjoys uh, a bit of Saints football, but do you, does he have a lot to get excited about this year off the back of their offseason? season? Well,
1: I think with Saint, the Saints is is much like um, the book situation, but just with. With not quite as good a team, <laughs> um, you know they're bringing in a new head coach to start with. Obviously, Dennis Allen. I think a lot of eyebrows were raised when Dennis Allen got the job. Um, obviously, he was a long time defensive coordinator replacing an offensive mastermind in Sean Payton. Um, Sean Payton will go down as one of the best coaches in the NFL. You know he. Um, 15 seasons. It's, 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 I think it's one of those situations where it's a real shame that they didn't win more. They didn't win more with Drew Brees and Sean Payton and, you know, that some of the teams they've had over the years certainly deserve to go a bit more. But I think, you know, as it got towards the end, Brees' arm went and you could see in his final season, he just didn't quite have the strength anymore. And it it did, the question started to, um, to come out about Peyton. I, I never really expected it. I thought he'd just keep going and then all, all of a sudden he's, he's gone and and the Saints look a, a completely different team without Peyton behind the wheel. Um, you know, I think as a fan of a rival NFC team, and I certainly don't want to be sort of jumping the gun and saying they're an awful team, but they're not the same venomous Saints team as they are when they have Peyton as their head coach. I would say that's certainly a... Um, Something that's going to be lacking in, in New Orleans, but the, you know the, they have to play better than they did at times last season. And obviously, Jameis Winston continues to be the guy that they are, are putting their faith in. Um, he had an, uh, obviously a, a, a bit of a questionable injury um, early in the training camp, but it seems like it's not uh, it's not going to be anything too serious. So obviously, that's that hopefully they're going to be. Um, they're going to still have him. But, you know, as, as Mariana will, will well remember, you never know what Jamish are going to get. And I remember his last season in Tampa Bay when fans were going wild when he threw that last interception and he had equal touchdowns as he did interceptions yeah. which was just fantastic <laughs> the
2: playing was 30 um, 30 yeah <laughs>
1: yeah exactly exactly which is just a, which is just a, an amazing statistic even if it's meant to be a bad statistic i still love it um but i wish they give a
0: trophy out for it
1: <laughs> i know it's fantastic you should hang it in the in the tampa stadium they should have it like yeah, you do when you win as a Super banner <laughs> yeah, you get those banners up. You should do that because it's such a great achievement. Um, and obviously, there's questions for for wrong for right and wrong reasons as well. You know, you've got Alvin Kamara with his arrest and his hearing for his case is set for sometime this month. So who knows what's going to happen with Alvin Kamara? And Kamara is the Saints. He is that offense. He is such a, a Swiss Army knife in terms of what he can do. He's one of the best. Uh, dual threat running backs, there is in the league. Um, he's obviously signed that monster contract as well. Um, and if they're going to be without him, even if it is for only for a game or two, that's a massive loss for New Orleans. Their offense goes from goes from being really potent to, to, to quite lackluster without Alvin Kamara, I think, um, because who's after him? You've got Mark Ingram, who, yes, is a fan favourite, but he's 32 years old. He's not going to push the needle the same way that that um, Kamara does. Um, so that's, that's obviously, you know, who knows what's going to happen with that. We'll find out, obviously, close to the start of the season. Um, and then you've got the situation with Michael Thomas. Um, Michael Thomas hasn't played a snap since week 14 of 2020. Missed the entirety of last season after the will he won't he come back um and he ended up never coming back and you know the 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 cap hit on thomas was far too large for them to just cut ties and get rid of him i think i was on the on the opinion last season at points where they should have just got rid they should have just cut the you know you cut the cut the ties and just get rid but his cap hit would have been enormous they're probably better to keep him around and now you've got um, you know, hopefully a fully fit Michael Thomas because when he is fully fit, if you think back to his some of his performances in say 2019-2020, he's a phenomenal receiver and he's one of the best around. So Jimmy Swinston having him out there on the outfield is is certainly uh certainly a positive rather than a negative. Um and before we move on from the offense, I think they added a couple of really important pieces in the draft. Um Chris Olave, which Olave olive. Um, which a, a few people were surprised when they traded all the way up to 11 to get him. Um, they gave they gave Philadelphia a first round pick for next year just to go up and get Chris Olave. And obviously, you know, I'm sure he's going to be a great player. I know he was great in college. Um, I know he's um, he's fantastic in, in that Ohio State team. Um, but was he worth going all the way up to get? Who knows? But you know, partner him alongside Michael Thomas in that sense. You um, say you're not complaining. Yeah, <laughs> that Saints receiving <laughs> receiving core is, is pretty good because they also uh, added Jarvis Landry as well. So old LSU boy comes back home, um, you know. So the, the, all of a sudden that, that wide receiver room in, in in New Orleans doesn't doesn't look too bad. Um, and then you move on to the defense. Obviously uh, Malcolm Jenkins retired, and um, uh, Marcus Williams departed to that monster contract with um, uh, with Baltimore. Um, so they've got two new safeties in Marcus May, formerly of the Jets. And obviously, uh, Tyron Matthew coming back home again, another LSU alum coming back home to play in the uh, in the Golden Black. So, um, hopefully, you would think that Dennis Allen will have them playing good defense. And you know the, that Saints defense before Allen was there was atrocious, and he got them into a top five unit. And the one thing you know with the Saints is they've always got a good defense. Um, so yeah, there's 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 definitely shoots of progress in. Uh, in New Orleans, a lot depends on the whole Kamara situation um, and obviously how well Jamise plays. jamis is obviously not the uh, not the long-term answer. Um, who knows what the long-term answer is in, in New Orleans. Um, and now they've given away a first rounder for next year. If Jamise is not the guy, if he doesn't have a good season, um, they're going to be struggling to, to go up and, and pick uh, someone in, in what... Uh, you know, supposed to be a QB heavy draft next year. So, yeah, interesting in New Orleans, but they're going to have a they're going to have a uh, a hard job toppling the the books. I think.
0: So, just coming on to that, then, if you were to give a a, a win total prediction, let's say. I don't actually currently have it in front of me. I think that there's something around really? the eight and a half, I think the Saints are at.
1: Yeah, I mean last season they finished nine and eight, so pretty much five hundred. Um and I, you know, that I think they'll be around that, but I think if anything, they'd go south. I think the problem is is there's so much rest on Alvin Kamara. If he misses even four games, you know, that's a big, big loss for the Saints. And I just think you just I don't know how they're gonna gonna go without uh, without Sean Payton. That's such a massive change at the top of the, of the regime. And how, how do they change from that? But they've got a really good defence. You know, um, we've mentioned the two safeties, but also I been mean Marshall Lattimore, one of the best cornerbacks in the game. Um, they've always had a pretty good rushing attack. You've got Marcus Davenport on one side, Cameron Cam Jordan on the other, who's a monster. Um, you know, so they've got they've got some, a good defence and I think that will win them games, especially with Alan being a defensive-minded um, coordinator. Um, but I think if anything they're, they're gonna there's, there's so many question marks but I think if anything they, they, they stagnate rather than anything else and I think they're gonna be around that seven eight nine mark I know it's it's a bit boring to put them at 500 but I think they are just one of those teams you know they'll win a few they'll win a few games they'll lose a few their, their schedules it uh, starts uh, fairly ominous and then gets really tough in the middle um but they've definitely got a lot of winnable games. Uh, on there, you know, yeah, they, they start at Atlanta, but then they've got games winnables against like Carolina, Minnesota, Seattle, uh, Vegas, maybe Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Atlanta, f- even Philadelphia. They could, you know, they could certainly give them a game and then finish at Carolina. So they've got winnable games, and this is the Saints as well. They'll upset a couple of teams. They always do.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, Marianne. Now the uh, the the Saints are you you know because of having to keep an eye out for uh, for Bucks games wherever they are i i do notice that uh, the saints are the ones to look out for more often than not when it comes to upsetting the bucks are the saints a team which you look at this year and you think yeah i could see them still pulling the wall over our eyes
2: for some reason they are just that bogey team for us they seem to somehow get our number like that first game with Brady playing against them and the probably one of the worst passes I've ever seen Brady throw. Um,
0: oh, yes, yeah, I remember that. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I mean, I, I just <laughs> I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know. You know, we, we've often discussed do we get too hyped up for those games because there's such a rivalry? You know, do we almost like overthink teams,
0: things? Ogre teams. OG teams exist. You know, yeah. I was I was on the Browns podcast earlier on and you know for for us it's odd ones of which are our bogey teams for really quite odd reasons. But you know, the the Patriots they could put out a third string team and still beat the Browns, for example. You know, it's Yeah, it just feels uh...
2: odd, it really does. It's it's it the Saints it does feel like they they just they somehow get our number. Um so the The Saints games are the ones that I'll be watching still with the sort of nervous stomach to be honest um yeah. and as you say, rightly so, they do have what looks like a still quite a strong defense um I just you know they're they're relying on a quarterback that obviously we're quite familiar with, and we know that he can be great and awful you know. Apart essentially. He can he can throw the, the greatest ball and and then the next one will just be a, a some sort of weird toss-up in the air, and you're like, What was he thinking? So it's it's very heavily reliant on whether they get good Jameis or bad Jameis on the day. But yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on them. Um just because we do seem to have this tendency to just I, I still think it's like almost overhyped. We get too into the game and, and then we don't concentrate or we don't you know, actually play to the level that we know that we can because they've they've kind of got too tense, too too wound up over it.
0: So Steve saying eight game, eight wins. Sorry, stick with that over under.
2: I, I no, I think that's I think that's a, a fair assessment of them at the moment. I, I I don't think there is certainly they're not the Falcons. Um, so yeah, I think. A, a sort of 50 50 season yeah that, that's probably a reasonable look for them at the moment
0: yeah i'm just running through it now i've got them at probably about seven and a half to eight so i would i'd creep potentially at the under on eight but uh definitely not over uh right me next i have the honor of introducing the atlanta falcons The offseason is, well, obviously one massive piece of news, which is the fact that Matt Ryan is no longer with the Falcons. They've finally moved on from him. You could potentially label it as freeing Matt Ryan, um, (laughs) especially considering the the way in which that has gone, unless you're one of these who believe that Matt Ryan was part of the problem. I'm not too involved in it, but uh, I've definitely seen messages to that effect. Um, let's face it, the Atlanta Falcons side, it is one, that, there has to be at least one team that had good times and is now starting to pay for those good times when it comes to a division that is as as dominant almost as the NFC South in having one team that seems to be dominant at one time in the Atlanta Falcons. Have paid for their success from a few years back now, seemingly, and paying high because of the fact that they're in salary cap hell. Um, you know, it seems that they are finally coming to the end of that. And, you know, a result of that is that they have not done a lot. Uh, they brought in Marcus Mariota to, um, to, to bridge the gap, I suppose, between him and new draft signing Desmond Ridder quite possible that ridder gets the call up probably later on in the season they have quite a difficult start the falcons do uh saints rams then seahawks browns bucks 49ers bengals you know that's that's quite a killer first uh first half of the season i would not want to put ridder in to start that off and just completely lose his confidence um they they have a pretty crap end as well the the falcon schedule looks awful for them <laughs> really um that's a little teaser for the predictions later on but they have some good spots um you know drake london really like him i really wanted the browns to not give away their head picks and get someone like drake london in as a wide receiver. Um, you know, Carl Pitts looks like the real deal at tight end. Um, I think that he started to show the kind of player that he was supposed to be last season. He's going to be vitally important for what uh, the Falcons do on offense, especially with, you know, the calibre of quarterback you need a tight end and get to out of jams. Kyle Pitts will definitely be that. Um Coralell Patterson as well, you know, what a what a shock he's he became in the second half of last season. Uh, if he can keep that up, then that's really going to help uh, drag this team from the very bottom, and the very bottom seems to be where the Falcons are playing from. They were 7-10 and 10 last year, seemingly out of nothing. Um, I look at this schedule, um, Mariana, Stephen, I see, I see four wins, maybe five at a push if they're able to cause a shock, but you know they've brought in some they've brought in some new signings uh sorry some new draftees arnold um ebiketia and d'angelo malone who are you know going to be good off the edge for example but we're, we're talking about rebuilding for the future here they've definitely had to surrender this year um like a few teams have had to do in order to build for future years this is not this is not one for Falcons fans this year. Take it, take it from a Browns fan who's suffered. You're just going to have to look at taking the little wins and going on from there. You know, try, try and just just appreciate the few wins you get. Is probably my advice this year. Unfortunately, but um, there is a lot of there there is a lot of positives to go with it. It's just not coming this year. I don't don't know if you guys want to want to join in on on that at all. Um I'm I'm happy to just leave it at that really considering as to how much of a pessimist note I put in but if anyone wants to jump in please do.
2: No, I think you're hundred percent right on that. I think uh, there's there's not a lot to look at in terms of uh, in terms of depth in their in their squad. I think as you say it's a rebuild year for them. Um you say like the one bright light really was Cordell Patterson for them. Um he also saved my fantasy league last year. Um <laughs>
1: Wait.
2: so i've got a bit of a soft spot for him. Um but yeah i mean he he was a bright spot towards the end of the season. I mean they lost Russell Gage to us and i think that's a huge loss for them. Um he was probably their their sort of best wide receiver. Um like very underrated again. So i, th- I think them losing him to us was was huge for him. Kyle Pitts I'm not sold on. He he no, showed sure. flashes of, but just I I think the problem yeah, is all you
0: can do with the Falcons right now though. Surely, yeah, like, you I, I think show the is
2: he's relied on, isn't he? He's he's it now. He's the it man, and so you're going to he's going to get the he's going to draw the coverages. He's going to be like it's going to be difficult for him to like yeah, carry it. that thing on his back.
0: And also, it's difficult to be the x factor as a tight end tight, tight ends end. aren't supposed to be the x factor but i think that speaks to his quality more yeah. than anything else so you know i you know i don't think he's exactly gonna have a breakout here this year otherwise you know something's going wrong with the league personally but uh, you know his his quality will still be there and when they get other people in i think that that will then you know his time will then come but he's definitely quality
2: yeah, he's the problem. Is is you know quality with with dumpster fire around him? He's going to struggle, as you say, to really shine from that tight end position when they've got you know you just like who who else is Mariota going to throw to?
1: <laughs> and I think I think that's certainly one thing that you well don't really touched on as well is that um, Carvin Ridley suspended for an entire. Uh, um, so you absolutely spot yeah. you absolutely spot on, and Russell Gage has gone to to the books He's you know he's jumped ship to the enemy. Um, you know Drake London, he got a minor injury, but he seems like it's going to be okay. You know a lot of a lot of pressure is on his shoulders right now. Um, Mariota's shown, I think, in, in in years in the league that you know he's a decent sort of. Backup guy. He he might, you know, play a, a season or two as a, as a starter around the league, but he's not a, a sort of qualified starting calibre quarterback to get you a sort of top ten finish in the NFL. So he's obviously plugging a gap. Um Matt the Matt Ryan trade is is obviously the highlight of the well the highlight, the, the headline, shall we say, of the Falcons offseason. Um I think I don't I think a lot of people underestimate how good Ryan is. Or was you know he's, he's thirty eight now like he's probably not got much left in the tank, but he we discussed this last year on on this very um, preview how how much longevity Matt Ryan's got and just how upright he is he never missed any games I think did I say something like he missed four games in in something like eleven years or something due to injury like he's <coughs> he's, he's got such a good injury record um, and all of that they're gonna miss it the the Falcons dead money hit for Matt Ryan is over forty million dollars. 40 Ooh. million dollars. They are actually, add Julio Jones to that. That's another 15 and a half million. Uh, their total dead money hit this season is 63.3 million dollars. So they are playing players 63.3 million dollars to not pay for them this year. That's what a quarter of the cap.
2: Yeah,
1: you know, no wonder they're yeah. in cap L. Um, and I think, I think just that's one insane. final word on one final word on the on the uh, Falcons is, I think a lot of people have got them tipped to be the number one pick this year. Um, there's not much sort of um, optimism in Atlanta, but they do have really good players in odd positions here and there. Like we've talked about, Kyle Pitts. We've talked about Cordell Patterson. Um, Aj Terrell is a really good cornerback, AJ Terrell, like a really yeah. really good cornerback. Um, Matt Hennessy's a good center. You know, they've got good players in good positions, but obviously they're just a few away from, from having a team. But I think that the Desmond Ritter pickup is interesting because a lot of people mm. are saying that he's having a really good camp. He's played really well in these pre, in a preseason game. Like He could be a bit of a flash in the pan, a bit of a surprise. And if he ends up being a good player, that's great for the Falcons because they can concentrate on building a squad around him rather than picking up another quarterback. Who may or may not be the an answer, as as their friends down the road are finding in Carolina. So, yeah, it is you're, you're spot on. It's a rebuild year. It's a blow it all up and start again. Yeah, this is going to be a a three and fourteen year for Atlanta, maybe yeah. maybe two and fifteen, something like that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you, you know, if you look at it the right way and you prepare yourself emotionally for it, then it's not too bad. Like you say, they've got players in quirky positions, of which are good. And those are important when it comes to rebuilding because you don't want to spend draft capital on you know a number of those positions. You know you don't want your first round pick to go on a center, for example, and stuff like that. But you know you want good players like that in place so you can you know that's your core. So then you can start building your weapons and going forward. And like you say, with um, with Ritter, at one point, Ritter was the out and out number one choice quarterback until his final year. You know, maybe it was the fact that he just faltered under that year, and, you know, maybe he flourishes in a different environment now. You know, it might just be that, that it all just got too much for him. But it's a very interesting development because if it does end up striking gold for them, you know like you're saying as as everyone can attest to not having to chase quarterbacks helps having your quarterback in play definitely helps go ask the bengals go ask go ask anyone that's been able to keep a rookie quarterback on contract and be able to build a team around it yeah
2: Don't potentially they get a top 5 draft pick pick and they're not having to to pick their next sort of guess at quarterback because they've they've locked in Rider you know late in the season and and they can go for you know maybe the top defensive lineman to be honest those seem to make more difference those players taking those in the sort of top five sort of draft pick positions than than like taking a a, a guess a upon uh, a quarterback quite often recently um so they they might be in a good position if if Ritter, comes out and and actually does perform we'll, we'll be it'll be interesting to see but as you say like i can't see much more than four four or five wins max yeah.
1: and i mean someone
0: like
2: your braun is just, just uh, yeah I'm, like your... I'm i'm feeling generous they 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 get to play the panthers twice so <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, Steve. You 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 mentioned my Browns. I was just going to say, someone like your Browns are a perfect example of a team who, and obviously it now becomes apparent that they didn't have the answer, but they thought they had the answer at quarterback, and so they were able to spend a first round pick on Miles Garrett, who is now a, yeah. an absolute superstar. You know, who's not a quarterback and is able to to help the team in other areas. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not suggesting that Desmond Ridders is going to be the next Tom Brady, but if he if he could be, becomes a good player, it's one less question. For the Falcons have got to answer and next year they're going to have a ton of cap space after all that dead money goes so you know look for the Falcons to spend big this time next year
0: yes uh Atlanta Falcons UK I know you can hear us um just remind us August next year to talk really positively about you at that <laughs> point just but but enjoy the pessimism it's it's constructive pessimism at this point It's all good. Right. Let's uh, move away from a complete rebuild to a team that thinks that they are, you know, towards the other end of the rebuilding process. Although there are many arguments to the contrary. Uh, The Carolina Panthers brought up the uh, bottom of the division. Have they done the moves in the summer that you think would bring them more towards, let's say, the pace of the Saints, Steve?
1: The Panthers are such an odd team, aren't they? Like it feels yeah. like ever since they got to that Super Bowl in was it twenty fifteen um, when they got to that Super Bowl with uh, uh, with Cam under center um, and they had the worst game in the history of Super Bowls. Um, it feels like everything's gone downhill since then. Everything, um, and it's like they just can't make their mind up. Um, you know we're obviously gonna start on the quarterback uh issue, and obviously they've 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 plucked Baker from his uh from his Cleveland purgatory, um and yes. have managed to get him out of there. And and you know, Baker showed flashes, and you know, I've never been the biggest fan of him, but I think he's definitely an upgrade on whatever uh Carolina has right now. They still have oh, Sam massive Donald on the roster. Worry. Um they also uh, still have PJ Walker on the roster. And they also picked up Matt Corral in the draft, which I thought was an odd pick. Like, you know, you've still got Sam you Donald. Get you're still him- you and- get a quarterback.
0: You get exactly.
1: <laughs> Everyone gets a quarterback. Like it, they've st- they've still got um they've still got Sam Donald on the roster, and his cap number this year is eighteen point eight million dollars, which for Ooh. a quarterback who's not great is uh, is a lot of money. Um and. They are they're paying in a, him an awful lot for a guy that I get the impression they'd rather wasn't around anymore. Mm. So they they rolled the dice on Sam Darnold. It wasn't the right, you know, it didn't work. They even tried bringing back Cam for a little while. Didn't work. Now they're <laughs> rolling the dice on Baker Mayfield. Is that going to work? They've also picked up matt Coral. Is that going to work? It's just it's like it's like the QBs the only position they really care about in Carolina. It's all very odd, but as outside of the outside of the qb conversation in carolina they actually have i think a, a, they're starting to build a fairly decent roster in places again there's, there's there's holes in areas but they're not i don't i think they're a bit more complete than the falcons are um, and I think they've had a couple of really good pickups in the draft recently. You know, I think Jeremy Chin was a great was a great selection, and he's proving to be a really good piece on defense. Um, getting J.C. Horn back will be big for them because he only played three games last season before he broke his foot, um, and he was he was touted to be one of the best cornerbacks out of the draft. So getting him back will be massive for this for this Panthers team. Um, but again, so much of the Question mark in in Carolina is around Christian McCaffrey. And we all know what a a beast he is when it comes to fantasy. And, you know, he's a a really good player. He's Again, he's another one of those, like Kamara, he's another one of those sort of dual threat running backs where he can catch the ball, but he can also be a a hell of a runner. Um, But his problem is he's so unfit. He cannot stay healthy. Missed loads of time again last season. And you have to ask the question, can you really rely on someone like that? Or can someone like that be that good? Can you hold him in the in the context of like a top five running back in the league if he misses ten games a season? You can't. You just can't. You can't have him in that conversation if he's never on the field. But luckily for Carolina, they have a really good backup in Chubba Hubbard. Hubbard uh, actually stepped into the fold when McCaffrey was out last season and actually played really well and I think they've got a really good backup there and I think this is a in in Carolina this is a make or brick season for a lot of a lot of people in the building. I think Christian McCaffrey's one. We've already talked about all 28 quarterbacks that they've got and how it's a make or brick year for each and every single one of them. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey's another. I think it's a make or brick year for Miss Christian McCaffrey and I think if if he if he continues to be as injury prone as as he is I think that they're better off potentially looking to, to cut that. Um, that. But also, most importantly, um, it is a make or break year for Matt Rule. It has to be, because they cannot keep going down this, this road of mediocrity. And I remember when they brought Matt Rule in a few years ago, and I, I was really excited. I thought it was a really good hire. Um, I thought he'd sort out this this Carolina team that was floundering and get them back to their previous dominance at the beginning of the of the 2010s, but it just hasn't worked. It just hasn't worked at all. And I think we are coming towards the end. I think of the Matt Rule experiment, and it makes you wonder what this success looks like this year for the Panthers. Um, you know, they're in a, a division where I think second place is definitely up for grabs. They are also in a conference where a wildcard spot is definitely up for grabs as well. And if Baker can come in and steady the ship, if if McCaffrey can stay healthy, we also haven't even mentioned their wide receiver core of DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and um, draft pick uh, Terrace Marshall out of LSU. That's a pretty good wide receiver core. Tommy Tremble at tight end. You know They've, they've got some weapons. They really do. And, and I think if Baker can come in and steady the ship and get them to – 500 and maybe a little bit above that can this can can this panthers team get to nine wins 10 wins <laughs> i think it's unlikely but if they can who knows what baker can do then it gets the playoffs playoffs is a different ball game you know if you can get yourself a wild card spot get yourself that sixth or seventh wild card spot because they're not winning the division we've already made that clear but if they can get up sixth or seventh wild card spot in the nfc where i think it definitely is up for grabs i think there's there's one of about sort of five five or six teams that could occupy those 6 and 7 wild card spots. Um yeah, what what could happen? I think I think it's open for the Panthers, but I think sadly history tells us that I think it's actually probably going to go the other way and I think this Panthers team might end up like the Falcons are right now and I think it might be blowing it all up at the end of the season. I think you'll see a few players out. I think you'll see Matt rule out and I think you know they're more likely to start again and 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 try and build from the trenches again.
0: So from that, we seem to have two different versions of the Panthers, and it very much seems to be a case of whether or not this all comes together. You either take the red pill, where everything starts to crumble, Baker can't make it work, there's no cohesion, you know, the, the rule experiment just isn't working, and then there's the blue pill, where the Panthers actually do get all aligned. It turns out it was the quarterback all along, and the defenses been able to do what the defense does and maybe cmc has a has an injury not an injury free year because i don't think that one of those exists for him but (laughs) a a, an injury light year shall we say an injury zero um yeah um mariana you you're obviously closer to this than the pair of us which pill do you think that the panthers are more likely to be swallowing this season
2: I yeah, yeah I I just feel <clears throat> that yeah it it may well be the end of the Marvel experiment, unfortunately. I just, Red pill it is. I, I, actually, <laughs> I kind of was with you. I thought when he came in, yeah, uh, came from, did he come from Baylor? Was it Baylor he came from?
1: He was a he was a college guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, he he looked really interesting coming from you know coming out of college. He. Had quite a good college team when he came in. Ah, oh, I mean, there's obviously there's kind of a thing where like it helps if none of the other NFC South teams are doing that well. Um, but I'm also one of these people that likes a bit of competition. So um, seeing like the entire division kind of as dumpster fire doesn't doesn't really sell our years of success that you know that well either you know i want us
0: to to hey teams in the afc north have been doing that for years mary uh, <laughs> you, you want to you want to look good in a good division as well at times or with with the a steelers bit of, and the ravens uh, like to talk about their dominance when they have the flipping terrible browns and bengals just propping up their division for a good decade i'm pretty sure that you can take the dub when it comes to a saints team that buying their way into trouble <laughs> A Falcons what? team that just didn't invent... In fact, actually, the, the the NFC South is just full of teams that have just recklessly spent. And then you've got Tampa Bay, who just <laughs> recklessly brought in Tom Brady and just ruined the league for us. There we go. There's your podcast in 10 seconds, uh, folks. That's no, it.
2: We've stopped it up five there. Five
0: minutes. <laughs> do, you want a, um, do you want a crazy
1: stat that I've just read? Matt Please. Rule is the longest tenured head coach in the NFC South.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, believe it or not. yeah because obviously,
1: uh, obviously what, the Saints what, what, and the Books have around. changed coaches, and the Falcons changed last year. So Matt Rule is the longest tenured coach in in the NFC South, which is mad to think about. Um, and yeah. you're right; he he was at Berlin before.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, what I will throw out is that uh, that we've still got Arians around. He's still in the in the organization. So although we had the change at head coach, we've kind of still got. A bit of continuity there. But yeah, it is like a random fact that like a guy that's been there for what about three or four years is, is like the longest tenured coach. Um the division is is
0: yeah, a hot mess. God, I wish that was the case in the AFC North. Just get rid um, of Tomlin and uh and Harbour, <laughs> just get rid of those. But uh no, that that's that's a mad stat that is. That really is. Um yeah, um, fantastic. So, when we look at that then, are, are you saying under 500 the pair of you then?
2: Mm, I think, as you say, it depends if, if McCaffrey can stay healthy. I do think they need don't, McCaffrey. Don't I depends. think he, he like, makes a difference. So, how many games does McCaffrey play? Um, Let's
0: say he plays half. Let's say he plays half the games, because that's probably what he will end up playing. Do they then, get to five hundred?
2: And then does does Mayfield gel, or do we have an issue with Mayfield? He has a couple of bad games. Are people calling to to switch him out for someone else?
0: Well, I tell you what, actually, there's, I might there's as plenty well. Of give my, to switch
1: him out for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I tell you what. Let me uh, let, let me give my two cents on this situation as the resident Browns fan on the call. <laughs> Carolina have got the bargain of the century when it comes to Baker Mayfield the fact that they only had to give up what was it, a, a fifth, sixth round or something like that and they get him for five mil, they're obviously paying Sam Darnold a king's ransom but that's why they're able to sell the idea of bringing Baker in for five mil and you basically have a 17, 18 mil quarterback there that you're you're paying to two different people essentially um so on a on a trade basis, i think that they really came in well on that. also, if baker's shoulder is not an issue this year, then he is a top fifteen quarterback in this league. He really is it's it's one of these where yeah at the start of last season he was great you know for for the for the free games or so which he had you know, he was playoff level. And if Carolina can put that into a system, it'll work. The problem is being able to make it work with him. He, he fits the system really well. You need to be able to have that system in place. Does Carolina have that? Probably not. Um, you know, McCaffrey has to be healthy. There has to be a good O-line. I think that Carolina's O-line isn't exactly the best of which will be a able- which we bring down the wide receivers as well are probably not the kind of receivers that mayfield is used to um but in terms of qb play i think that they'll stick with may May mayfield first of all is 10 times better qb than darnold um and i think that they'll end up sticking howling as the number two and potentially if the experiment isn't working with mayfield not that i expect that to be the case but if that is You know, if it is something which they look at towards the end, they might give him two or three um, dead rubbers towards the end of the year. But realistically, you know, they they do have a playoff-caliber QB there now.
2: Yeah, I think it's, as you say, is his shoulder healed? Because, like, obviously, from a quarterback standpoint, that was his problem, throwing with an injured shoulder. I mean, it doesn't matter what quarterback you are, you know, Playing with an injured shoulder, just you know how he managed to even play some of those games. Um, all credit to the guy. And and I think the other thing is he'll come with a chip on his shoulder with something to prove. Because
0: typical Baker Mayfield.
2: Yeah, but I mean it's 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 something to prove. He he comes there, you know, as someone who's been kind of maybe treated unfairly, and I, I hate to say it by the Browns. Um
0: Massively, massively. You know, <laughs> and I I'll weigh and, that so, banner
2: yeah so i i feel like he he comes there you know to prove what the browns have missed out on i guess um so that gives him something to now i'm wondering what you were saying about the system and the you know maybe matt rule again having had the we've seen it before college coaches don't necessarily transfer to to the nfl so well and maybe having a a, a quarterback who I would say actually suits more of a sort of college scheme and has got a bit of mobility to him still. Um, maybe putting in, in, a, in a scheme, if, if he can scheme it a bit more like the sort of college. So I'm, I'm kind of feeling like how Arizona have played to Kyler Murray's strengths a bit. Can the Panthers play to Baker Mayfield's strengths a bit, um, you know, and, and, and use him in a system... Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. It, it's, it is going to be with Carolina. I think, let's say, they get halfway through the season and they're, you know, they're 50-50. They'll finish the season probably, as you say, pushing for that that sort of wild card sort of spot. But if they get halfway through the season and they're, you know, 2-6 and six or something, you know, they're going to just crash and burn aren't they they're going to blow it all up and just probably start replacing players and and dropping players and and looking for the rebuild who yeah. on week week one 20, like
1: 2021 josh who was Baker Mayfield starting receivers in cleveland
0: uh so you had landry, uh, jarvis landry OBJ OBJ, OBJ, um, OBJ, obj obj and OBJ OBJ. people's jobs.
1: Oh, yeah. so o- Looking at that, looking at that Panthers depth chart now, they've got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall. Like, that's that's you know comparable, P-
0: possibly better,
1: but splitting different heads. Like,
0: as well. Yeah. But different as well. I think that they're better long route runners, yeah. But then also, whereas he has a got, lot of what they played was short, what he has got in Carolina
1: that I don't think he necessarily had in. Cleveland was a dual threat running back because I think Nick Chubb is very much a running back, like he is a hand the ball off, letting bulldoze through the line. Oh, Kareem, huh? Whereas, yeah, but he's he's not the main back though. Whereas McCaffrey is, and if he's not Hubbard, is I think he's a sort of McCaffrey clone sort of thing. So I think he's got that. Like it's it's a very different, like you said, it's a very different offense, and he's got different weapons. Mm. Like basically, what I'm trying to say is everything is put in place now for Baker. Like this is, I think this offense is is. I don't think it's miles, you know, different in terms of it being better as such. But I think there's different pieces here. And if he can't make this work, then I think maybe the writing is on the wall. Um, but I think ultimately, I think the Panthers are more likely to crash and burn. I think there's too much volatility in Carolina. Um, I think, you know, the, we, we I haven't mentioned the left tackle they picked up Um Equonu, who I think is, is is going to be a stellar player. He was the first tackle taker and ensuring up that left tackle position is massive. Um, but I think there's just too much, there's too much volatility in Carolina. I, I think they're more likely to crash and burn and fire Matt Rule by week 11. When's their bar? So it's interesting you it's say that. Game. It's
0: interesting you say that. Right. My question to you both, and it will be a yes, no question because I realise that we're starting to get up over the hour now. Let me read you out... Their first, even their first seven games, right? Cleveland at home, Giants away, Saints at home, Arizona at home, the 49ers at home, the Rams away, the Bucks at home. Does Matt Rawl get fired before Halloween? <sighs>
1: That's a tough opening slate of games, isn't it?
0: Um, I mean, that—that that to won't... me could uh, it could be like one and uh, one and seven there, one and six, one it, and seven. It won't be all and seven
1: because we as we've discussed before, it's really hard to go winless in the NFL. It's really difficult mm. to do it. So I don't think they'll go one and seven. But that's a really tough open. I didn't realize how tough their schedule was. Um, and it doesn't get any easier either. They've got back to the games against Atlanta, sandwich with a game at Cincinnati, and then Baltimore yeah. and Denver before the bye. Wow, they've got a yeah, tough and, schedule. I didn't realise that. a
0: late bye. It's such a late bye as well. So in terms they, of actually making the move, you probably do it early for a
2: They definitely don't go oh. winless. They definitely don't go winless. They're no, playing no, the Giants, no. and that's that's my little dig at my husband, <laughs> because <of> Giants right? <laughs> 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 they definitely don't go winless, but um, yeah. But, as you but say, one in
0: six is on hard. the cards there, isn't it? Which is which is dangerous in of its own right. Mm.
1: They'll surprise someone. These teams always do. They'll, they'll pick up a win against someone that you don't expect them to, like a San Francisco or a New Orleans or, or dare I say, even a Cleveland. I don't think they will, but yeah. be, you know, they'll, they'll win against someone. But that schedule is so difficult. Um, and I yeah, think really the writing is. could be on the wall by the bye in week 13. And, and I think I'd, I'd put my neck on the line and say, I think Matt Rowe's gone by the bye.
0: Do you think that Matt Rowe's the first one to go? <laughs> obviously, it looks really think... tempting, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. I don't know I, what I, the I'm, odds I'm, are on it, but I'm, I'm probably not sticking gonna a five on that today. Uh, I'm not going to lie; I
1: did not realize how tough that Carolina schedule was. That's such a difficult schedule, um, and obviously that they're, they're in a tough, a tough division where they, you know, apart from the games against Atlanta, that you know, they, yeah, they could be looking at zero and four, maybe one and three with the other four games. So. Their winnable games don't come until later in the year. After the bye, they play Seattle, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Tampa again and New Orleans again. So they could legitimately go 4-13, um, I think. They and could. I, I said in my head that they all will do better than Atlanta, but I'm now starting to think, <laughs> well, at this rate, <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we were talking about whether or not they'd challenge the Saints, and now we're wondering as to whether or not they'll take the first pick in the uh, 2023 I... NFL Draft.
1: I mean, I'm being pessimistic. I think they, they definitely have a chance of being a much better team this year. And if they can keep guys healthy, like JC Horn, like Christian McCaffrey, uh, if Baker's shoulder sorted, if Matt Rule finally um, you know gets this team moving. To give you context, he's only won five games in both of his last two seasons. They've gone 5-11 and 5-12. And so if they get above six wins, that's progress for Matt Rule, but that's probably not enough to save his job.
2: You feel like that's probably going to be the record again? It, it does yeah. feel like that's uh that's kinda of, he's hit his 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 like level there that he's hit his peak
0: mm-hmm.
2: um i you know again i i kind of actually want some of the the teams in the division to do a little bit so we're not just like playing against the stomach but i i think l- looking at it the like of the three the saints are you know they're they're our biggest rivals for the division. And then I, I Maybe, sort of play Panthers Falcons. I think that, a very that's very clear. I go.
0: You have a very like clear top two and bottom one. 2 don't
1: you, in this division?
0: Yeah, yeah. Of which is, I mean, the uh, the guys over at the betting pod have said the same as well. So as part of the uh, season guide, they've given me uh, the you know best top two. Um, picks to make in terms of betting and Books and Saints top two any orders at um eleven to ten on at the moment. So you know it's practically a sure thing when it comes to to these selections. So the bookies definitely think the same as well. Well guys uh that is everything for us today. Um Yeah, I think that uh, I I think we've got a a a prediction in our head, haven't we? I think it's uh, Bucks Saints, and oh, okay. Which which way round? Very quickly, um, Panthers or Falcons to finish bottom.
2: Falcons. Yeah, Falcons bottom. Unfortunately, I think they're
0: just. Yeah, I've got that as well. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll end it there. Apologies to Falcons fans. Promise it will get better <laughs> next year. Um, and also to Panthers fans, I'm I'm with you on the uh, on the Baker thing, but my missus will not let me go further than that. Um, that's us for this week. Uh, next week we are off to where are we off to? We're off to the West. Next week we'll be uh, we'll be in the AFC West. I think either West. Uh, to, division to start off with would be tasty but we'll start with the AFC West and the uh, juggernauts there it's going to be raining touchdowns next week (laughs) (laughs) it really is I'm unsure I'm going to be able to deal with all the offensive output next uh, exactly next week (laughs) Uh, Mariana real quick would you like to um, just give a shout out um, for Bucks UK and let people know a bit more about it obviously as the newest uh, channel of the full 10 yards network
2: yeah absolutely thanks, uh, thanks again for, for having me on tonight uh, been been enjoyable to to chat with you all. Um, Bucks UK uh, we're a long-running um, fan club in the UK um, led by our fearless leaders uh, Phil David and Kieran. Um, you can uh, come along to our to our website www.bucksuk.org. Uh, come and join us. Uh, game nights. We, ha- we have like a very active forum on game nights. We have competitions. Uh, you can find us on all the social medias as well. Twitter. We, we have our own weekly podcast that we put out during the season. Um, Instagram. I think we're even on TikTok now. So uh, please come along. Join us. We've got a really friendly group. We're up over, I think, 450, 500 members now. So we're really growing strong um we'd love to have other uh uk box fans come and join us um the more the merrier we just we, we love having a, a great community of, of box fans uh we'll always be obviously at games as well we have a good presence um of traveling fans and so forth as
0: well so come and join us please no oh, that's a question do you have tickets for germany
2: um, the 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 tickets to Germany have been very hard to to get hold of. Um, I'm guessing that's a little, no, then yeah, you i you unable I to get there one. There will be a presence, but I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sort of say anything. Um,
0: I know. I meant you personally.
2: Uh, again,
0: um, I I may have. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Keeping that one very under wraps. Yeah, um, I,
2: uh, let, let's be honest. I'll be in Germany. <laughs>
0: fair enough there we
2: go i'll be in munich i will be um enjoying the atmosphere and and so forth but yeah tickets have proved incredibly difficult um for for everyone to get hold of um
0: as as they would be with any international series game absolutely Now, i just wanted to i just wanted to ask if you were heading off to munich i've been there few times myself and to the stadium once with Bayern so uh you know always uh always interesting to see people heading off to Munich wish I was going but uh unfortunately clashes with the sister's birthday and I can't do that on her 30th so we've definitely
2: got a presence there we're gonna we're gonna have some well there's there's a good group I believe going out so we're, we're going to be there in force uh and hopefully meeting up with the uh the Bucks Germany guys, so um, hopefully we can. Yes, we they're can quite a big over there as well, aren't
0: they? Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's, uh, it'll be nice to to you know get a, a good relationship with the with the guys there as well. So we're really looking forward to to meeting them all.
0: Brilliant, and uh, just a final bit of housekeeping from us. So obviously, um, keep following us here at Four Ten Yards. We will be continuing through our episodes of uh, divisional previews next one AFC West that should be at this time next week Uh, we're hoping to charge through the next few divisions uh, within the next couple of weeks to give us enough time to go into the start of the season with a proper preview and if you're looking for a proper preview this is your final week to get a printed version of our ever-improving season guide. It is quite the document this year, if I do say so myself. It's currently sitting in an InDesign file on my computer um 165 plus pages about 30 to 50 different uh contributors from across the uk and beyond have gone into making that what it is the books uk have uh, also submitted their sections to talk about all things tampa bay obviously very glowing stuff there but also very detailed if you use the if you use the code FULL10, you get 10% off, so that's £4.50 for a digital guide, which you'll be able to get through all the way through to kick off of the season. And the printed guide, that ends sale at midnight on Friday morning, so that's 23 59 on Thursday night, if we want to be exact. Um, that's just so that we can get the print run done so that you actually get it with a couple of weeks before the start of the season. To get one of those, fulltenyards.co.uk slash guides. Um, you know, do follow us on Twitter as well and all the usual places. Thank you very much, uh, Steve and Mariana. Absolutely great to talk to you both about all things NFC South. We'll see you next time.